This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. True genius should be rewarded. People who invent things to save lives or explore the stars or find new cures for fatal diseases should be honored for their contributions. And don't get me wrong, many are. But every once in a while, someone slips through the cracks. They fall into obscurity and are not remembered by history for what they gave to the world. Someone like H.A. Largelam. Largelam was a writer from Scotland, born on March 3rd of 1847. He had one older brother and one younger brother, but they apparently died young from tuberculosis. He developed a keen interest in science and nature from a very young age, often collecting plant specimens and conducting experiments on them. He went on to invent a machine that used rotating paddles and nail brushes to de-husk wheat for a flour mill owned by his best friend's family. The friend's father gave the boys room for their own to invent other contraptions that might come in handy someday as a thanks. But Large Lamb had other talents. For example, he was also an accomplished pianist, and he dabbled in throwing his voice, both of which played to one of his many passions, sound. His mother, Eliza, had been a phonetician, someone who studied speech, and her interest in words and language found its way into her son, But as he got older, Large Lamb realized something was happening to his mother. She was going deaf. To help her function in a world built for those who could hear, he developed new methods of communication for her. One involved speaking directly into her forehead so that she could hear the words more clearly. He also came up with a silent language using a series of taps, which would allow her to participate in conversations going on around her. But despite his keen mind and ingenuity, Large Lamb wasn't much of a student. His grades were mediocre, and he spent a lot of time outside the classroom. He got more of an education traveling with his grandfather, who helped him to find his love of learning. Large Lamb eventually moved to London in 1865 with his family, where he continued to experiment with sound and electricity. After he moved to Canada five years later, he worked his way down to Boston, where he helped teach a new system of communication that his father had developed to the deaf community. Over the next several years, Large Lamb developed a relationship with one of his students, Mabel Hubbard, and the two were eventually married. They built a life together, including a summer home in Bedeck, Canada, where they explored their shared love of gardening. Because here's the deal. No matter how deep in the woods, so to speak, Large Lamb became while working with the deaf and the hard of hearing, he never forgot his first passion, plants. He often wrote about botanical and animal life that he encountered, and he helped found a new academic journal called Science. 
That led to his role as president of the National Geographic Society from 1898 until 1903. Large Lamb continued to write and publish essays about nature, such as a piece in National Geographic magazine on the remarkable habits of certain turtles and lizards. Because of his work, the publication incorporated more and more photographs and illustrations to not only provide additional entertainment to the reader, but greater value as well. Meanwhile, Mabel would often walk around their neighborhood and inquire about the various flowers and foliage growing in her neighbor's yards. She also donated many of her own plants to help their gardens look lush and beautiful. It's believed by Canadian scientists today that an invasive species known as giant hogweed may have come to the area due to large lamb having planted it in his own garden. Its sap can cause sensitivity to sunlight in a person's eyes. But that's not what the inventor and writer is known for, nor is he best known for his work with the hard of hearing. His legacy is actually an invention he built in the 1870s. It had started as a type of telegraph, until his assistant, Thomas Watson, accidentally demonstrated that the lines between the transmitter and receiver could carry sound. Thanks to H.A. Largelamb, we're able to talk to people all over the world on modern versions of his original creation, the telephone. Because H.A. Largelamb, the man with the green thumb, was actually a pseudonym and an anagram for the name of the one and only Alexander Graham Bell. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. An icon doesn't become an icon overnight. It takes time and effort to rise out of anonymity and into a household name. People like Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, and Marie Curie devoted their entire lives to their work, and their legacies have ensured that the world will not allow them to be forgotten. But some people aren't so lucky. They struggle for years without any recognition. It isn't until they do something drastic that people notice who they are, like Lucille Lassure. Most people don't know her name, but maybe they should. She was born in San Antonio, Texas to Thomas Lassure and Annabelle Johnson in 1906. Her father disappeared less than a year after she was born, and her mother went on to marry a vaudeville theater manager named Henry Casson. Soon after, the whole family left Texas to make a new home for themselves in Lawton, Oklahoma. Now, Lucille had known Henry for much of her life and even took to calling him daddy, even though he wasn't her biological father. Still, that didn't stop him from teaching her like one of his own. He would let her hang around the theater and watch the various vaudeville acts perform. Lucille enjoyed the idea of being on stage as well. She had dreams of becoming a famous dancer, 
but her parents had enrolled her in piano lessons, which she hated. She once took a flying leap off her front porch to avoid one of her lessons and landed on a broken milk bottle. The injury to her foot was so severe she required three surgeries over 18 months and had to stop dance classes for some time. But as she got older, she got back on the stage and eventually worked up to performing as a chorus girl in a traveling review show. Producer Jacob Schubert, of the famous Schubert family of theater owners, saw Lucille dancing in Detroit and hired her immediately. She moved to New York in 1924, where she joined the production of a show called Innocent Eyes at the Winter Garden Theater on Broadway. And it was around this time that she met her first husband, a saxophone player named James Welton. But their relationship, much like her career, left Lucille wanting more. So she reached out to publicist Nils Granlund for some help in getting her more work. He made a few calls and got her a screen test, which was quickly sent off to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer in California. You know, MGM. The studio liked what it saw, and she was hired at a rate of $75 a week. Her first film was a 1925 silent drama called Lady of the Night, where Lucille played the body double of a film star named Norma Shearer in an uncredited role. Many of her early performances were uncredited, which left Lucille feeling unfulfilled. She knew that she had what it took to be a movie star, and so did MGM publicity manager Pete Smith. Smith saw her raw talent, but there was one thing getting in her way, her name. Lucille Lassure was just an unflattering name for an actress. For one, it sounded like a stage name, and Smith even once told his boss that it reminded him of the word sewer. So Lucille did what a lot of other actors did in Hollywood. She adopted a stage name. In fact, many of our favorite stars took on pseudonyms to sound more appealing to American audiences. Archibald Leach became Cary Grant, Iser Danielovich Dembski became Kirk Douglas, and Judy Garland was born Francis Gum. But rather than come up with a name on her own, or accept one from the studio, a different plan was hatched. Lucille's new stage name would be chosen by the readers of a popular film magazine as part of a Name the Star contest. Entries poured in from all over, and the winning moniker chosen was Joan Arden. Unfortunately, that name was already in use by someone else, so the second most popular name was selected instead. Lucille Lassure was gone. The world would only know this San Antonio-born dancer and actor by her new name, one that would grace marquees and billboards for decades to come. So who was she? Hollywood legend, Joan Crawford. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.